1: What's good everyone and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rowicki Let's get right to it. I don't want to waste any time. We'll break down the lone game for the Jets since Tuesday's episode, that tough loss to the Maple Leafs on Wednesday. Plus, we'll look at the injury to Blake Wheeler, what that means for the captain, and how the lineup might look moving forward. That's coming up in just a bit but we have a very special guest joining us today and it's a name that means a lot to the city of Winnipeg, the province of Manitoba and to Jets fans everywhere. I'm super pleased to bring on now pro golfer and the son of the late great Dale Howarchuk, Eric Howarchuk. Eric, how's it going, man?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on down here in Scottsdale and starting to get pretty warm here. I heard it's a little chilly back up in Winnipeg, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting up there this summer.
1: You know, we were joking too, right before that. Uh, we got to finish this one up quickly so you can get back to the pool, right? It basically no,
0: I them. was, I was practicing, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> on my game. <laughs> Come on!
1: I almost forgot, but we're basically a week away. The Masters is next week. Do you have yeah. a p- predictions for what's happening? Uh.
0: Uh, you should have sent me that i, I was i was wondering, my bad uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good question i think there's a lot of um it, it's so hard to say this year you, you kind of have less opportunity from new guys coming in but it's been a great opportunity for some of the guys who had conditional status on the tours and i think there's going to be i think it's gonna be a serious dark horse to win it this year and i know uh a lot of the guys will be thinking of uh tiger out there but and frankly, if you're in the Masters, you're not really that big a dark horse. But I think, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, in terms of the the standards, I think some somebody from from the back of the betting odds will make a move.
1: I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm I'm done betting on Rory. I've. melt that one dry he can win it I'm just not gonna bet any money on it anymore but I I like John Rom. I think John Rom's gonna have a good weekend
0: yeah Rom could do it Rory yeah he's so unpredictable for for being one of the best players in the world I think he deserves a green jacket at some point I'm not sure it'll be this year but you never know it's gonna be a a different tournament it's crazy it's almost like it was only when when was the last one November so
1: it's only been six
0: months so I mean Mm -hmm. feel like some of the guys who we're just there a little warmed up and ready to go so hopefully uh you you're right it could be it could be somebody like Rory if you're not betting it I bet it's going to happen yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly now I, and I don't want to get you in trouble here but I've always <clears> wanted <throat> to ask a golf pro this just I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on on uh, the the experiment Bryson DeChambeau
0: well i mean just look at the look at his checkbook i mean <laughs> he's, he's uh, he, it's obviously working. It's pretty cool to watch. It's great for golf. I mean, gosh, when he hit it over that, uh, took the corner there on the par five and threw the arms up, I mean, that was that was electric for, for a kind of a middle of a round, nothing shot. And the irony was uh, Lee Westwood was in his group. I think uh, Bryson had like 88 yards to the pin and uh, Lee had 250 and they both made four. So yeah that's that's the way golf is yeah. I mean, drive for show puffer dough. No.
1: yeah i I think it's great i, I mean he's a total villain I, i'm not I'm not the biggest fan but I love that he's in a way embraced the the villain role and it's it's like a real life like happy Gilmore shooter mcgavin mix i i think I think it's great for the sport but i I just know there's a lot of golfers out there and I don't know if it's jealousy or what it is that they're just a little put off by by how he's transformed himself over the last few months.
0: Yeah, totally. I I think really the villain, I guess, would be uh, Brooks. Seems like some of my buddies that are out on the tour, it's like if you're not, if you never won a major, he doesn't want anything to do with you. <laughs> That's what I've heard. For all I know, he's, he looks like a beauty to party with or something. But I, I really think he he kind of has that that edge to him that maybe golf never had before. You know, it's an added element and it's drama, right? It's kind of why wrestling's so big. Yeah. You, <laughs> it's the storylines. So um, I think that's great for golf that we have such a wide variety of characters out there and hopefully I can add my name to that list at some point.
1: Yeah. So just uh, let everybody know, how's your career going? What have you been up to lately?
0: It's been a strange year with COVID, with my father passing, I haven't been able to focus the way I meant necessarily wanted to. And now I've kind of taken on the Howard Truck Strong fundraising stuff. So I've just in the last month kind of started to put my nose to the grindstone again here and my game actually feels pretty sharp. I've played pretty well and I'm hoping that um, this summer I'm going to start out probably playing like Great Lakes back home, Great Lakes Tour. Just go from there. You know, If you, that that's the beauty of the mini tours is it's a proving ground. And my dad used to kind of tell me, he's like, if you can't win out here, you're not going to win out there. So. You got to kind of try to dominate at every level, and it is a fine line between the mini tours and the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is obviously just deep from you know top to bottom. But I'm telling you, the guys, I grew up playing the Canadian Tour when Nick Taylor and Tony Finau and Adam Hadwin were out there. Uh, that was like my first season, and who to thunk what their careers have become. So you you know it's right there and. It's always a a good week away, and that's that's what drives you forever. And that's why people end up forty five years old living in a trailer in Florida, <laughs> trying to chase it. You never want to give it up. You know, you're just always one good week away. But I wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: Well, we're cheered for you, man. And and ho- hopefully this time next year we're talking again. And it's how you're going to do what your first Masters tournament, and how you like your chances at Augusta. All right?
0: Yeah. Totally. I, I've I've never turned down a ticket to the Masters, but people were always like, you know, if you got to go to the Masters, would you go? And I was like, no, I'll go when I qualify. And I'm 31 now and I don't have any status anywhere. So if somebody throws me a ticket, I'm definitely taking it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're the same age and I'm the same way with the Stanley Cup now. I, I like when I when I was 20. I was like I don't know. I I still got a chance
0: here, but don't want to touch it. Don't want to touch it. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah you you get know. it anywhere near me, I'm picking it up. But now you have to pry it out of my 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 hands. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned Howard Chuck Strong. We're definitely going to get into that in just a second here. But I just want to ask you. I know you're super busy, but have you been able to watch a lot of the Jets this year? And and what do you make of the team?
0: So I haven't, I haven't watched a ton of games. Uh, I've kind of just been following the standings and the stats a bit. And a lot of people would say the Jets are surprisingly good, but if you look at that lineup, it's not a huge surprise. Like your forwards are fantastic and so diverse as players, I think probably could use a little help on D I think losing buff there and all that, that kind of set, set us back a bit, but I think the Jets are. Uh, I think if you're from Manitoba, you should be really proud of that Jets team right now and what they're doing. And they're playing against you know incredibly gifted offenses and beating them more often than not. So uh, it's a special team, and I think this is a special time. And you know, it's one of those things. Uh, maybe maybe it's the year. Being born in Winnipeg, we've waited a long time. I would. I would. Do anything to see a cop coming to Winnipeg. And I know my dad felt the same way about it.
1: I don't know if you have Chevy's number in the phone, but if you could text him, would you say an at home at the trade deadline? That might do the trick. I do have Chevy's number. Okay.
0: I don't think I'm, as someone who has watched very little this year, I don't know that I feel comfortable to throw him that text. But, <laughs> uh you know, I, I think he's doing a great job and he's such a class act all the way through. And So is the whole management, Mark Chipman, just what he's done for the city and bringing the team back. Like, you know, I think that's maybe losing the team for those years was uh, a bit of a wake up, I guess, if I'm saying that right, where, you know, you're just fortunate to live in a city or be from a city that has a team to let alone compete with some of the greatest teams like the Jets and the Habs. to take them down and at every win, every point, like you celebrate it. And even if it's a loss, you know, you, you got to stay positive and back your boys because Winnipeg's a special place. And I have some incredible memories there. And a lot of my family still lives out there. I'm just really proud to be from Manitoba.
1: Now, your dad and, and Mark Shifley shared a special bond going back to Junior and Barry. What's it been like? I know you haven't watched a ton of games this year, but just to see Mark's progression throughout his career to the point now where he's having maybe the best season of his career.
0: Yeah. I remember actually my dad going. He he was like crazy obsessive. He did all the scouting too. Like he had scouts, but he had to scout it himself as well. And he went when Mark, I think, was playing junior B. And he came through the door after that game and he was giddy as could be. And I was like, what? going on he's like oh we got this kid he's he's one of our picks he's like we're gonna bring him up we're gonna make him something special he, he's got he's got the drive I talked to him and sure enough you know um, I, I don't think Mark was projected to go as early as he did but it seems like if you look down that draft board that was a pretty darn good pick you know he, he had a keen eye for somebody who not only had the talent but had the drive and that was basically all he wanted out of you as a player was outwork the hardest, hardest working guy in the room, and that stuck with me in a lot of things in life. And um, I know Mark naturally has that, and he wants it, and he he wants if you think I want a cup to come to Winnipeg, he wants a cup to come to Winnipeg. <laughs> so I, I think that's a really cool relationship, and um, he's perfectly suited for that city, and he's such a good, and nice kid. And, well, he's not a kid anymore, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really think the Jets have been drafting really well, and I'm hoping Perfetti works out this year. I mean, he, he seems like a great kid, too, and um, I hope he fits the mold there.
1: Yeah, he's having a great start, too, in the AHL as an 18-year-old, and a pretty cool connection, too. I heard you talk about it when you were on the Sabres broadcast a few days ago. You know, your mom announcing the pick on national television live. She did a great job. But there's kind of a cool connection between your family and Cold Perfetti.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that was so nerve wracking. I was more nervous for her than she probably <laughs> was because uh, basically I'm watching the draft go and I'm like, please just give it a simple name because there were a couple Finns, there were a couple Finnish guys on there and Swedes. And I was like, Oof. <laughs> uh, and I saw like a couple easy names go and I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> and um, man, she nailed it. And um, she did a great job. I was so proud of her. She, you know, my wife was there and we all helped her. And it was, it was a pretty serious production. I, I've never actually been on a national broadcast, I don't think. And the preparation was really intense. And that was kind of the, the funniest part was you have this variable that you don't know. So you can't even practice how to say it. Like, I couldn't have even told her how to say some of those names. And Cole Perfetti was not that bad yeah so not only with that he's a really good pick so it it was a good good experience overall for us
1: just quickly what was it like down there like just you talked about the preparation and the things that go into behind the scenes on draft day but can you give us a, a bit of a look behind the scenes what it was like
0: yeah so like they do um you know it's their first ever virtual draft so they're learning too right they did uh two or three run throughs like they did one maybe five days before and then they did another one uh the day before and being up to it she you know she kind of had to be there waiting at the computer and i was waiting for a text from zinger to tell me the pick and you know you don't know i'm like geez, i really hope i don't pick like (laughs) you're thinking about these crazy things it's like what if i say the wrong name (laughs) what if we say ben (laughs) howard (laughs) <laughs> would they have to take him he's a, he my brother's playing pro over in sweden he's doing great i was like hey good yeah, eligible. <laughs> yeah let's take benny <laughs> and uh yeah that would have been probably a tough phone call after but <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it was a really serious production they wanted the lighting and you know you don't have a camera crew there it's just there. luckily my wife's in the event business and she kind of was able to set up some of the lighting and it turned out really good
1: that's wild. That that I had I never even thought of that, but that would have been something. Stepping up to the podium and everybody's kind of going through their scouting list. Like I don't have a Ben Howard Chuck in the top thirty. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it would have. Uh, my brother probably would have thanked me, but yeah. <laughs> it would
1: have been a very awkward
0: conversation with the, the management after
1: Yeah, that. well, yeah, he would have got a nice signing bonus out of it, but uh, <laughs> I think all in all, it worked out best that Perfetti was the pick. Uh, The Jets organization in the city of Winnipeg, obviously they've been extremely supportive. Can you just touch on the the support and everything over these last few months from both the team and the city and even the province of Manitoba?
0: Yeah, Mark and my dad had a really cool relationship. And, uh, you know, my dad was so proud to get a team back. And, you know, in those years when there was no team, his – history was kind of quiet because most of his legacy is there in Winnipeg. And that's where he spent all his time and that's where his heart was. And a lot of my family, like we're, I believe Winnipeg through and through, you know, I I was born there and uh, it's a, it's a really cool place. And I I know it was, uh, it was special for him to be able to play there. And when they took him, how many wins did they have the year before? Like, yeah. Like a (laughs) dozen, not, not a lot. That was the um, the winless streak, right? Like 30 games or something? Yeah. And, you know, he was so happy for that opportunity to go to a team that needed help. And a lot of people would be like, oh, geez, I, I don't, you know, want to go deal with that. Whereas he kind of had this whole, in everything he did, he had this, like, crazy optimism. It was kind of annoying at times because, like, he would just see the good in literally everything. And you're like, geez, how can you just be so positive and he's like well it's the only way to be and man he made you know he I feel like he was kind of the Jets first real superstar I mean he had Bobby Hall but that wasn't in the NHL so in terms of the NHL um, you know he he kind of made it legitimate as a franchise and I'm really proud of him and I'm proud to be a Winnipegger, and it's a it's a really cool cool thing.
1: Was there ever a moment during his time with the Jets that he kind of spoke about maybe a little more fondly than the rest
0: no and like i was i was young too when when well i was one when he got traded to buffalo so (laughs) i I wasn't there but you know he if anyone ever talked smack about winnipeg or manitoba he would get right in their face and be like you obviously never been there you don't know what it's like people are awesome like they got this great stuff you can do and he's you know you did not want to Bash Winnipeg to Dale like that, uh, and uh, me either because we're proud Jets fans.
1: That's so awesome, and and now you've taken on the mantle working with Andrew Jackson and Jackson Events, and and just a number of of great people with Howard Chuck Strong. Can you maybe just for those that aren't uh, super familiar with the organization, can you just explain what Howard Chuck Strong is all about?
0: Sure. When my dad was sick the first time and he started getting better. He really wanted to kind of create his own fundraising initiative where, you know, it wasn't just his charity golf events. It was kind of like a cumulative package that he would be able to donate to all different causes that he thought were important to donate to. And we obviously couldn't do it without all the support we've had. But after, as we we were kind of setting it up, he found out that cancer came back and he came to me and was like, it's really important that you keep this going for me because I, I always kind of envisioned doing this. And I said, okay, well, I'll try my best and kind of big shoes to fill, but I am really, really uh, excited to be a part of it and to you know, see where we can take this thing. Uh, we've given out about almost a hundred thousand dollars so far. We're making a pretty substantial donation to the winnipeg jets true north foundation in the next couple of weeks we have a lot more bigger things planned and we haven't been able to do everything we wanted to because of all the protocols and things like that so i think once we can kind of start doing a little more in-person stuff we're going to have some really really neat things being put together
1: and one of those and if i'm uh if i'm stepping out of line here feel free to let me know but are Chuck, Strong branded water. That's coming to Winnipeg soon, right?
0: Yeah, so it's it's gonna be in the first couple of stores, uh, April fifteenth, actually. So pretty pretty quick, and uh, hopefully by we're hoping June first, it'll be in every Esso station, every uh, a lot of the grocery stores across the province. And uh, yeah, I think per case uh, we're able to raise about four bucks toward uh, the initiative and uh we plan to give all the money that we raise in this campaign to manitoba-based charities and you know we did the 12 days of giving in december and it it was pretty cool we ended up started out with 12 charities in barry and then we were like well we got to do winnipeg too and then we were like we got a list of them and it was hard to turn down uh more so we ended up i think with 28 (laughs) none of the math made sense. I don't know why we didn't do the 10 days, but whatever, you know, it it worked out great. And uh, we were able to kind of just bring a little awareness to some of the smaller charities where, you know, a thousand dollars goes a lot further than, you know, if you're giving a thousand bucks to a a big cancer center or something, you know, it's, it's nice to do, but you don't really see the, uh, the impact. Whereas if you're given to smaller things, uh, you know, I think, one really stood out to us was uh Manitoba riding for the disabled. And I had never even thought of that. And it's such a cool program and they're great people. And when I talked to, I think his name's Chrissy, I told her that they were gonna get the thousand bucks. She she's crying on the phone, you know. And uh, you know, those things are special to uh it, it feels good, but I, I wanna be clear that I didn't technically raise the money like the people did and you guys did and everyone who mm-hmm. supported it is who raised it and that that should be you know you guys celebrating and we're just here as kind of like a a way where you know you get a little bit of swag and donate to a good cause and i I think it's it's a pretty cool thing and i'm just uh i'm thrilled to be involved and see where it goes
1: in the meantime howardchuckstrong.com you guys are selling some t-shirts i'm going to grab one Uh, The the gray one, I wish it was a medium, but probably going to be a large and and probably going to be a bit tight. I just dummied like a whole pizza before this. But you have some clothing items there. You have uh, helmet decals, a couple other things. Do you want to just let our listeners know uh, with the website or anything you guys have coming up soon, just how can everybody help donate and just any other information you want to get out there about Howard Chuck Strong?
0: Yeah, if you go to the website, there's a there's a ton of product there. There's uh, shirts, hats these really cool like coins maybe ball, you can use it as a ball marker this summer and um, it's all Howard Chuck Strong and the net proceeds are going to good causes and a lot of them are based in Manitoba and one thing I know about Manitobans is they can raise money for good causes because people there have such good hearts and want to uh, continue to give back so if you if you visit the website you can make it you can just make a donation if you don't want to anything and I promise you uh, it's, it's going to good causes. And we have plenty of testimony at this point where people have come to us and you know, they're, there's, there's the odd case too, where we, you know, it's not always public, you know, but people are desperate or need help and they don't necessarily want to be put up as a poster for a charity case. You know, over the years, my dad, I remember there's a child who needed a, needed a hot tub for, um, he had some sort of condition. I I can't name it, but, uh, you know, we took some money and bought his family the hot tub and he was able to like, just get that little bit of, uh, um, satisfaction in the evening and relax. And that, that was a special one to my dad. Um, I don't know. It's kind of made me a little emotional, but, um, we never talked about it. He never wanted praise for it. Um, and we didn't want to make, uh, make a scene for them all the time but it was uh it was pretty cool
1: that's awesome and and your dad was all class and and your family and yourself were all class too so i can tell you that you know on behalf of winnipeg and the province here everyone's gonna find a way to chip in whatever you know whatever anybody can do to howard chuck strong and there's going to be a bunch of donations coming your way so manitoba is is always going to be sure to help out the howard chuck family because you guys have done so much for us as well
0: yeah, We'll continue to be there. I mean, like I said, I still have family there and my mom's from there. My my mom's whole family still lives there. It's part of our life. And, um, you know, the people there have been so generous and so kind to us. And we're we're just happy to give back in, in any way we can.
1: Oh, I almost forgot before we go. I wanted to ask you this. Do you have a funny Mark Shifley story from Barry? <clears throat> throwing, I don't know if you two cross paths a whole lot. I know you're a couple of years older than him, but is there something that pops to your head?
0: I wish I did. We talked here and there. I wasn't as involved because, uh, you know, typically during the season, I was down in Arizona. So I would kind of be there during training camps and then I might get back uh, back up there for the playoffs. And by playoff time, you know, it was uh, pretty serious. But I do remember I think it was game six of the OHL finals and Barry was down 4-1, maybe 5-1 going to that third period against London. And Mark, I just remember him putting the team on his back like I'd never seen. And I think he scored a couple of goals, a couple of assists that Barry ends up tying it with a couple of minutes left in uh, regulation. And I swear that roof almost caved in like there was standing room only. It, the screams were unbelievable, like how, how much how exciting it was and then unfortunately we go to overtime and they win the draw and I feel like the guy kind of flicked one in it took a weird bounce and <laughs> game's over but like that third period I, I don't even care that they lost it was just like the most exciting 20 minutes of hockey I ever watched but I had a buddy my, my buddy Nick uh was there at the game and he left after the second period oh, and I'm no. texting him I'm like I'm like five two he's like <laughs> oh i'm like five three he's like really i'm like <laughs> and then it's like we tied it anyway. yeah <laughs> oh it was it was awesome
1: that's that's unreal I, I, you know what i was kind of wondering I, I didn't know what your relationship was like with him but mark has he's claimed that he's never sworn before i think or he doesn't swear when he plays i i refuse he's a great guy i refuse to believe him i was just wondering if you had any intel on that too <laughs> that's
0: a good question i actually i don't think i've ever heard him swear
1: um
0: Damn it. so he might uh he might be he might be right speaks volumes about him as a person you know what a good guy and to have that work ethic and desire i mean he he had one goal on his mind that was to make the nhl and I i think uh winnipeg got a real winner there and i don't think we've seen i don't think we've seen the best of him yet
1: eric thank you so much for taking the time to join me i know you're super busy I'll let you hit the pool. I mean, the practice room right now. And and anytime you want to come by and chat about Howard Chuck Strong or the Jets or whatever, feel free to stop by. It was it was an absolute blast and a pleasure having you on, man.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about food sometime, too. I, it was like skates and plates. That's a good, good tie in. I, I am a foodie. I'm a I'm an OK chef. Yeah i follow all the arizona blogs i mean i I watch triple d all the time so uh i we got a ton of them here in arizona actually uh so we my wife and i actually went for breakfast that one the other day i'm still burning off those calories
1: oh i wish i i wish you would have told me that at the start we would have scrapped all the golf crap and and dive (laughs) into the, the food network and all that well i i always ask every guest that comes on here this question so i'll throw it to you and and since you're an okay chef i'd love to know uh what you cook up but if you're sitting down to watch a jets game and you want to have an elite game day menu what are you throwing out there to get ready for the game what's your go-to game day meal
0: okay so it's not really a chef thing but i do make a mean charcuterie board yeah my wife actually got me for christmas super big one that i actually it's too big i don't know how to fill it (laughs) So I. You gotta have a charcuterie board. You gotta be grilling. I know it's hard to do in Winnipeg, but uh, in in the winter anyways, Uh, but you gotta have a grill going, love a good steak. Uh, I got a really cool kind of zucchini, cauliflower, and onion mash that I make. Kind of mash it all up together, pretty healthy. It's got a little bit of olive oil and salt. And actually, uh, are you familiar with Trader Joe's? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have the everything but the bagel seasoning you actually put a little bit of that on there. Uh, That's had, some, had some rave reviews on that one.
1: <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get started on a Howard Chuck cookbook for Howard Chuck Strong, too, next time we That's meet up.
0: Really good idea. I'm <laughs> uh, in. Mean, let's do it. I mean, uh, I can do the first two or three pages, and then it's probably <laughs> up to you.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank, thanks again so much, Eric.
0: All right. Thanks for having me on.
1: Wow. What a great talk with Eric there. I, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Just so good to hear from the Howard Chuck family and all the best to Eric in his golf career as well. I I know how much everybody loved Dale and what he meant to the city. So again, please check out howardchuckstrong.com. Make a donation if you can. I just bought one of the, and they're super nice t-shirts that they sell. Bought one of those. Anything you could do is greatly appreciated and, and clearly goes to a super worthy cause. So if you can help out, please find a way to do so. I'd also like to thank Andrew Jackson and Jackson Events for helping to make that happen as well. So be sure to check out jacksonevents.ca, the best when it comes to celebrity and event services. All right, we got a bit of time here still, so let's go back to Wednesday night. A toughie for the Jets. First place in the North was up for grabs, but it was the Leafs that grabbed a 3-1 victory. And really, the damage was mainly done after the opening twenty that was pretty brutal and I mean Paul Maurice mentioned it after the game coaches all the time say that they're always worried in that first game back home after a long road trip so I I guess there's that to take into account which is fair but the Jets just got absolutely worked in that first period whether or not that was an excuse or not and it was just this perfect storm of ineptitude by the Jets followed and combined with the Leafs going into Globetrotter mode. I mean, when Toronto gets going like that, it really is impressive to watch. I know Jets fans don't want to hear that, but they're just so damn good when they get in the Ozone. They get on those long extended shifts. They're flying all over the place. And, and it's unfortunate, too, because that also happens to be the Jets' biggest weakness is how they play inside their own zone. And And, I mean, Winnipeg's never been super compact. And we've, we've just seen time and time again that when the other team has over 20 seconds inside there, the Jets start running around, the structure can break down pretty quickly, and then we get a period like that one against the Leafs where I, I think the Leafs had more high danger chances or more scoring chances than Winnipeg had shots the entire period. It was just complete and utter domination. Now, the worst part about the opening goal in particular is, is that it actually came off one of the few really good defensive plays the Jets made in that frame. Austin Matthews enters the zone, and he tries to make that pull-up move quickly. And Derek Forbert plays him well. He's got a tight gap. He closes the space immediately, and he he immediately thwarts the rush. But when the puck squirts loose there, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of goes to pick it up. And as he does that, Forbert's stick is in the area, and he kind of pokes it off his hands and the Leafs immediately pick it up off the breakdown there, a few passes, and I mean, Dubois almost kills forward first with a kill shot, thank God he's okay, that would have been a brutal, brutal blow to the Jets' blue line, but Dubois basically takes out two Jets himself and forward in one fell swoop, and you give Matthews, I mean, any player really, but Matthews in particular, that spot of the ice all alone on Hellebuck, and he's just not going to miss any of those, so yeah, real unfortunate that the the one solid defensive play the Jets made ends up in the back of their net. And then the second goal, you know, that one and look, Logan Stanley's been he's he's blown everyone's expectations out of the water this season. He's been really good. Way better than anyone could have hoped for. That might have been one of the few shifts he looked out of place. That was kind of like the old welcome to the big show kid moments that Mitch Marner gave to him in the slot, I mean, a hell of a move by Marner. He's just tremendous, and, and maybe wins round one in Winnipeg between who the best winger is in the North Division, either Mitch Marner or Nikolai Ehlers. I believe Ehlers went pointless in the game. Um, but a great move there, and then you have Hyman alone to bat in the rebound. I didn't love the challenge by Paul Maurice either, by the way. I just I, I thought it was pretty clear that Pullman... Push Zach Hyman into Connor Hellebuck. And then by the time the puck went in, any potential interference was over at that point. But that didn't end up burning the Jets. Actually, what kind of burned the Jets was that four-minute, the the double minor in the second period there. Where it looked like for a second there, maybe the Jets could find a way to tie the game going into the third. Then they give the shorty. And even with the power play goal right after that, that maybe might have been the final death blow on the night for the Jets. So they lose that first one. Unfortunate because they would have grabbed first place in the division like we talked about there. They did play much better, the final 40. I, th- I thought the Jets were actually pretty solid in their own end as well the rest of the way home. Surprisingly, didn't generate a whole lot. I mean, Jack Campbell was good, but I can't really remember a big highlight reel save or a 10-beller a that he had to make to, to keep the Leafs up too at any point. He, he was fine. But it was just one of those nights where maybe the Jets were in quicksand right off the bat and just didn't really get a whole lot going for them. So a a bit of a dud, to be honest, as well. The finish wasn't great. Five shots apiece in the third period for either side. So hopefully Friday night, I mean, it's a more entertaining game and it ends up with a much better result for the Winnipeg Jets. There is a ton of intrigue, too, though, and some unknown with how they're going to suit up in that one. And that's because of the big development of the night. Blake Wheeler leaves the game with an undisclosed injury. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, why don't you grab some peanuts and popcorn? Baseball is back, that's right. Teams are out on the diamond. We saw the Blue Jays opener, extra innings victory against the Yankees, sucking pinstripes. Last year's season was different, but it doesn't mean it lacked excitement, and this year's poised to be even better. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the diamond with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is super easy to play, just like hockey like we've talked about as well. You pick 10 players, you stay under the salary cap, and you pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, a whole bunch more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than competing for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. But if baseball isn't for you, no worries. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. The lead-up to the Masters next week at Augusta. I can't wait. I'm sure they'll have something super jacked up for you guys to participate in as well. And with millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week and every week, no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. That was a hell of a win. By the Blue Jays as well. I'm pretty jacked up about that. You had the exit velo on. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. on one of his hits. So all in all a pretty impressive start for the Blue Jays. Back to the Jets quickly before we go. And I touched on it there. I mean no clue. Whatsoever. We're, I mean it's it's area 51 right now in Winnipeg. Everyone's lips are sealed. Nobody has an idea what that injury was for the captain Blake Wheeler. Paul Maurice hasn't really said much, he didn't divulge how much or if any games will be missed because of this, so I mean there's the chance that Wheeler suits up against the Leafs Friday night, there's the chance as well that this could be a game, multiple games, a little bit down the road. I'll tell you what, what Jets fans don't want to hear, honestly, day-to-day, day-to-day in Winnipeg is like the death blow for injuries for any kind of athlete, because day-to-day, is apparently code word for actually it's four to six weeks if you're lucky that's best case scenario but we're hoping for the best it's pretty crazy Ken we've had this Blake Wheeler's missed six games in 10 seasons with the club I mean just a remarkable stretch of durability and I think a couple of those as well were the old end of the year you clinch a playoff spot and everybody rests in game 82. So it, it might even be like three or four games missed because of an actual injury. So obviously a big loss for the Jets if he misses any time. In the meantime, how should Paul Marie shake up his forward core if the captain's out? I mean, first off, let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore wiki or at the podcast, at SkatesPlatesPod. How would you shake up the forward core if Blake Wheeler is out for Friday night's game against the Maple Leafs in particular? I'd love to know what you guys say. We'll get to it Tuesday's episode. We'll see what some of the best mentions are about that. You know, there's one player, though, outside of Ehlers and Shifley up front, one guy this year that's jumped off the page, to me at least, every single night, in a good way. (laughs) And I've been thinking for a while, even before this, that I would love to see him get rewarded, get a spot higher up in the lineup. It's unfortunate that it happens this way, but I would love to see Mason Appleton get that chance and shoot up into the top six. And the easy move would just be, you know, Wheeler comes out, you slot him on the right wing with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Paul Stasny, plus I think he injects a ton of pace into that line, something that those two players need, and we've seen the hands this year. Some of the goals against Toronto in particular, like the dude could score. Rookie of the year in the AHL, point of game player down there as well. So there's no doubt that, you know, the kid can produce offensively. And he's done so this year as well with Adam Lowry. I mean, those two have been great on the third line. I, I believe they've been put together pretty much all season long. But Appleton, as well as a guy that over the next season or two, you might have to lean on him. To get a crack higher up in the lineup because the the stagnant cap, his low cap hit, I mean he's been so good as well. I think it's time that we find out a little bit what Mason Appleton looks like getting some time besides some high end talent. And when he has it, I mean he's half a point a game player this season. So you're talking about over 82, a 40 point guy on the third line with basically zero on the power play. The kid has produced a ton this year. And like I said, why not give him a shot? See what he can do besides some really, really talented players. So that's the move I would love to make. You have Dubois, Appleton, and Stastny as line two. You keep Shifley, Ehlers, Connor set as your top line. Don't be surprised either if we see Mark Shifley play something like 24, 25 minutes against Toronto if Blake Wheeler is out of the lineup. I imagine either way, whatever happens... That Jansen Harkins draws back in if Wheeler's out. Harkins himself has been out for a long, long time since he's gotten, I mean, any kind of game action. So I imagine he just slots into the fourth line. Matthew Pro goes back up with Lowry and Cop in this scenario at least. Pro was really, really good too in his brief time with Lowry earlier this season. I believe the line was Lowry Pro Appleton, and they were one of the better ones in the league by. By a number of analytics and a number of... I know a number of, of the nerds <laughs> and the stats people. Although they were right on this one. Said they were one of the better lines in hockey while they were put together. So I, I just think it's... I think it's a scenario where it works out really good for the Jets in a lot of ways. Find out what Mason Appleton can do in the top six. Matthew Perreault has shown that he is more than capable of holding up that spot on the third line. And I think Lowry cobb Perot, I mean, I don't know if a whole lot changes for that trio going into this game I think Paul Maurice still throws them out there against either Matthews or Tavares for a shift or two here or there I'm feeling pretty good I'm feeling pretty good hopefully Wheeler doesn't miss a ton of time but I think the Jets if it is just a short-term thing are going to find themselves more than capable of picking up the slack in the meantime now we can dive into what the Jets should do if this is you know a bit of a long-term injury as we move forward here Just a quick peek, though, at the trade bait board that TSN has up. By the way, David Savard, number one on that. I know a lot of people want to see David Savard come to Winnipeg. Well, that might just happen. (laughs) But looking at the wingers, some potential wingers that might fit the mold for Winnipeg. I mean, I wouldn't go for a super high-end guy to fill Wheeler's spot if there were injury concerns. I don't want to give up a ton of assets on a winger when the Jets have a bunch still, even if Wheeler is out. But Bobby Ryan from Detroit for a mil would be a pretty nice cheap pickup. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But that's a guy that I've mentioned before that the Jets, if they want to bring in you know, the old veteran scorer come playoff time, they all throw out all the cliches. I mean, Bobby Ryan fits that plus hell of a story. One of the nicer guys. I would love to see him come here to Winnipeg. Just a super easy dude to cheer for. So I think that to me would be the, the go-to name if Blake Wheeler misses a ton of time moving forward, but we'll find out. I mean, deadline day is literally just days away now, so the clock's ticking. It's ticking big time, and we'll find out if Chevy's going to make his move sooner than later. I still say it's going to happen sooner, so we'll stay tuned to that. Well, that does it. We're done for the week now. Thanks so much again for listening, guys. We're back on Tuesday, This is actually a pretty crazy break for the Jets. Just the one game against Toronto Friday. So we'll break that one down for Tuesday's episode. Then they're off until Thursday when they visit Montreal. So, I mean, pretty damn close to a full week off. So, I mean, maybe you give Wheeler the night off too at that point. Let him rest up for the Habs. But we've got a ton coming your way next week. Some more big names are going to be stopping by. And we'll get back to the food interviews as well. We're actually going to dive into the sweets for the first time, I believe. Our first dessert interview is on tap. I'm super excited for that one. It fits perfectly, too, with the weather finally starting to get its act together as well. Again, thanks so much for listening, guys, to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Kick some Leafs' ass Friday night, baby. I'm your host, Brandon Wicky. Peace.